0: O'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville now pastor Raymond Laddie. first I want to share with you a little bit today everything in God's Word uh, it, it's many times is a metaphor it's a symbol for us so I want to share with you something today that, that got me thinking and maybe the Lord led me in this direction I found some wood growing in the woodlands that I didn't think grew around here uh, I put in miles every week walking searching, foraging, whatever you want to call it, for raw materials or just to get out and get exercise, which I need. I've always said the wonderful thing about the woodlands is each time you go out there, whether you walk half a mile or, you know, 10 miles is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and many of you know what I'm talking about. So I was out looking around. I've been wanting to find some of this wood for a long time, and I didn't think it grew, this species, I didn't think it grew south of about Cleveland in the mountains. It's a wood that pretty much, literally and figuratively, built Southern Appalachia. It's a wood. Does uh, anybody think you might know what that is? It's hard to see from where you're at. I got a little piece of it here that I cut off. It's got a kind of a yellowish black interior. Black locust. Black locust. I didn't think it grew here. I found a little stand in a little pocket. Uh, now honey locust is prevalent. Prevalent. I've got. Uh, some of those myself, and they grow some wicked thorns. But I finally, the ones I planted finally have some pods on them this year that are going to be full of honey uh, that's really good. And the, the pods attract deer and other wildlife too, and they also can be fed to chickens and other livestock. But black locust, that probably means absolutely nothing to you, but the gold interior of that, that's like me finding gold. This is the wood that the native Cherokees used to make their bows. Now you got the outside white sapwood, but the inside is a golden color that will darken with age. That's the heartwood, and that's the good stuff right there. And I want to use that today to uh, illustrate something to you. Anyway, I cut two staves of this, two tree links, about that big around, and split them, one split beautifully. And I sealed up the end, leave, leave the bark on it, and seal up the ends with some glue, keep it from splitting as it dries. And then the other two pieces are going to work for some other projects. There were a few little imperfections, but that right there, black locust is a very hard wood. It burns. The only wood that burns equally as hot to black locust is hickory. Uh, It's very dense wood. Uh, Black locust is considered to be invasive in many places. I guess it's been moved around. But anyway, I'm happy I found that and excited to let that wood cure out and make some bows because... Different types of wood, if you work with any wood in any capacity, have different qualities. Hickory is a great bow wood, but hickory takes a lot of moisture, and it'll compress on you. So when you unstring your wooden hickory bow, the bow will still look like it's strong. There are tricks to get around that, but black locust has the the, uh, qualities of the durability of hickory, yet it will not take on moisture, and it's a little more springy. So that aside, that's black locust, and I, I, uh, I'm glad I found that. I hope to find some more, maybe even propagate it a little bit, but I want to look at a similar tree in the Bible because it means something for us spiritually and physically. We're going to look at a tree that was used to con- construct the, the tabernacle, also the Ark of the Covenant, symbol of God's presence. You know, a tabernacle or a church or a, or a meeting house of worship is where we come to meet with God, if you will, on an earthly level. We come together and we do it corporately. It's an important thing uh, to, to equip ourselves and to work as a team to do the work that God in Christ has given us to do. Well, when they were in the desert, they were wandering. They were very mobile. They had to be. They were going from Egypt to Canaan, which God had promised them. But, of course, because they were hard-headed and they were sinful and they were... Self-centered, they went around about. God tried to get their attention and wake them up, did miraculous things, but he led them 40 years through the desert. In the meantime, he never gave up on them. Oftentimes they gave up on him, but God never gave up on the Hebrews. But he, he, he instructed them. He was always with them. And that's one of the qualities of God is he will stay with us And he will bless us if we will exercise faith in him and seek him out. So the tree I'm talking about is a tree called acacia, a c a c i a, And it was God instructed them to use, by the way, I got a throwing stick up here, if any of you, uh, that's about the right dimensions to uh, cast out across the congregation. So uh, I wouldn't go to sleep if I were you. Just kidding. But... Uh, it's very similar. This is uh, the black locust is called false acacia because the, the trees, there are a small group of trees in America that produce beans. Honey locust or bean pods, honey locust, black locust, Kentucky coffee tree, and acacia. And I think, uh, let's see what do they call it? the source of the M. Um, anyway, there are just a few trees that produce beans and they're all related. Well, there's trees in the Middle East that produce beans the most prominent being, Acacia. And God said to Moses, to the people, construct the tabernacle and use this wood. Well, why would God say use this one kind of wood? Well, for one thing, they were in the desert, and it was not white oak, hickory, ash, and, and poplar growing everywhere. They had just a few trees here and there. And if you saw a tall tree in the desert, it meant several things. that it was probably an Acacia tree, It was a probably very durable, hardy tree, and probably underneath was water. And that meant that they were used for landmarks by the Bedouins, by the desert peoples who were traveling, such as the the Jews here, the Hebrews. And it also meant that water could be found there. It was a symbol of life in a wasteland. So that's the spiritual application that we'll use that god wants us to use is if you build this tabernacle this representation of my dwelling with you here on earth and leading you i will you will use a tree that is readily available but also illustrates that i am your life in the desert did god do that well if we go to isaiah chapter 41 verse 19 he said I will, and he's talking about Israel, I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shittah tree, that is the Hebrew word for acacia, shittah. And the myrtle, I don't know if that's crepe myrtle or not, and the oil tree, meaning the olive tree that, that, you know, uh, gives olive oil. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. And in verse 20, he says that they may see and know and consider. Now, this will take us back to these trees. Even finding black locusts in in southern Appalachia may not seem very significant to a lot of people, but I think he would say to us so that you may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The hand of the Lord has done this. We take a lot of the natural world for granted, don't we? we people don't know where their food comes from. They, don't, they, they think it's wrong to kill an animal unless that animal is you know, wrapped in cellophane and you can get off the shelf at Kroger. They have no idea how important the natural world is for us. And by the way, we talk a lot about judgment and we talk about God shaking all things on earth. Well, he's shaking the natural world too. There are plagues and pestilences. They're invasive species. One of the things I see today that I've never seen in my life, when I go to any part of these woods here locally, the woods are tore all the pieces now. Not by wild hogs or anything like that, but by the lowly armadillo. They are everywhere now. Go into any creek bottom, and if there's a knot hole or a stump hole, there's going to be an armadillo living in it. They go out across there, and they root up the leaves. They don't turn the ground over so much, mainly the dead stumps in the leaves. They are oodles of those things out there now. And I think it's gonna mean even more problems for the decline of the American bird, the wild turkey. I think those correlate, the decline of America the decline of the wild turkey, the decline of other natural resources that we're seeing today, that can go in a different direction. But God said, I give you all this so that you can consider and understand that I have done this. This tree, this created tree, God made it. He created it so that we could use it. Our houses are built of wood. Wood is very valuable. Uh, The natural resources that we have, even what's in your toothpaste now, comes from herbs that grow on the creeks around here that are sold to pharmaceutical companies, gathered by country boys like myself, I guess you might say. You see, we're still linked to the natural world. God has blessed us with that, and he wants us to consider him, not only for the physical lessons and the physical benefit that we have from these things, but what does this mean spiritually for us? What does a tree mean spiritually? That in God there's growth. In God there is life. In God there is a use for us, a purpose for us being here on earth. There's a purpose that is far greater than anything any corporation or any politician or any political group or any other uh, way of man can offer. It's the purpose of God that is eternal. So I would call this sermon today the eternal wood. As we look at the acacia. So, God said, going back to Exodus uh, chapter, you find this in 35, 36, 37, and 38. Now, obviously, we're not going to read all that, but He said the boards for the tabernacle, or sometimes it was called the Ten of meeting. sometimes it was later on, it would be called the temple. Today, under the new covenant, because of Christ and His coming and the ultimate sacrifice of God our Father, we have the church. All meeting houses, place where we come to meet God. That's what church is meant to be. Not a place of entertainment, not a place of, 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 of clubs or, you know, it's a place to come and meet God and to fellowship and to worship with like-minded brothers and sisters, blood kin by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what a church is meant to do. And then also to be a light in the world and to further and spread the gospel. So in verse 20 of chapter 36, it said, God told Moses, and he came down, and he was radiant because he had seen God pass and seen uh, the the, the trail of God, his hind parts there, if you will. And God said, get all the craftsmen in your tribes together. These were men who were good with working with stone." These were men who were good at working with brass and iron and gold and silver. These were men who were craftsmen and carpenters who knew how to take acacia wood and do something with it. These were men who were, you might say, skilled primitive craftsmen. But Because wood and and stone and, and precious jewels and precious metals were not the only things brought. There were ram skins dyed red. There were coverings of badger skins. I've got a badger skin, a luxurious fur. Uh, Badger skins. Those were all to be taken and put together in a beautiful, symbolic, yet real place of worship for the Hebrews. And God was saying, I have given you all this so that you might be reminded of my power and my love. By the way, God is the ultimate craftsman. God is the ultimate craftsman. He values art, and he values craft if they glorify him, if they draw people toward him. Uh, You know, and you say, well, how is he the ultimate craftsman? Well, look at all of us sitting in here today. No two are alike. Some of us broke the mold, I guess, and he started over, we might say. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. A man, a, a, a being, a God with a power, not a man, he would become a man in Christ, that can knit together DNA and a tiny little microscopic, you can't even see it with the naked eye, and that be the code to our eye color, our hair color, our height, our weight, whatever it may be. That's a craftsman. That's divine. That's, can you, that he could speak the planets and the universe. In the, in the stars and all into existence. See, in, for, in order for me to make something, I've got to have a material. I've got to have a bow stave. I've got to have a fur. I've got to have a piece of flint. I've got to have a two-by-four. I've got to have whatever you do. You've got to have a material. God operates as a craftsman, as a craftsman ex nihilo. He can take something and make it from nothing. He can make things from nothing, which is what he did. So getting back to what we we're talking about, the boards, In verse 20, and he made boards for the tabernacle of Shittim wood standing up. These boards would have been split out. They would have gone out and got acacia wood. They would have planed it down. And if it's anything like this black locust, it's got a white sap wood here. And in this little sapling, it's about a quarter inch thick. The white sap wood is really not the treasured part of this wood. It's the golden heart wood. So if I make a bow, and I will attempt to out of this stuff later on once it dries, I'm going to go down through that sapwood, and I'm going to get to the heartwood. Because that's the dense, springy, tough wood that will make the best bow. You can make one from the sapwood, but it's going to collect a lot of moisture, and it's probably going to take more set, and therefore it's not going to cast an arrow as hard. So I'm going to work down to that heartwood, and I would assume they probably done the same things. They got down to that heartwood. What I'll do is I'll take that sapwood off, and I'll work into the growth rings. I'll work into the growth rings, and I'll have one growth ring. Pretty tedious process. It'll be the back of the boat, hopefully. It's the way they've always been made. So they would have took those logs and split them and planed them down. Now, they didn't have sawmills. They didn't have uh, black and decker. They didn't have Milwaukee tools. They did it the old way. They had to work, and it was truly old-world craftsmanship, you might say, that we don't have much anymore except for some of the traditional craftsmen. So they made these boards, and they stood them up, and it said the link. God told them how long he wanted the boards. I mean, God doesn't leave out the details. It all means something. Ten cubits in the width, one cubit. One board would be attached with two tenons. That's That's a connecting rod, if you will, almost like a nail, or a strut or a rafter, equally distant from one another. And it says they made all the boards for the tabernacle out of acacia this way. Verse 23, 20 boards for the south, south side, 40 sockets of silver was made under the 20 boards so they were held together with precious metals. And there would have been a lot less of this than there would have been the wood. So there's the symbolism of God and the preciousness, the riches of heaven dwelling among men is what we see here. What a beautiful picture. Many of these boards, these acacia boards, and we can read over the table that went into the temple. The table of shewbread was plain acacia. They would have picked the prettiest grain for that, most likely. And it said, then after that, he overlaid it with pure gold. So not only do you have God using this tough, beautiful wood, but then it's overlaid with gold. Wood has its limits. Some wood will last forever. There's black locust posts that are very old, still sticking up in pastures and stuff because that's what they use. La- Heartwood will last a long time, but it won't last anywhere near as long as gold. So you have uh, finite versus infinite. We see time and we see heaven. We see uh, a limited ability and a limited amount of strength being overlaid by beautiful infinity. Heaven is the picture that we see here. Then we go over to the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody remember what was put into the Ark of the Covenant? And this Ark exists today. Somewhere. The Israelis probably know where it is. Anybody know what was put in the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah. What else? Very good. That's right. Anything else? Did we know of? Anything? Wasn't it the Ten Commandments? Am I wrong? Yeah. There were great symbolic stones, wood, Uh, food that God God worked from heaven, a miracle for them to keep them alive. And all this has meaning, this wood. You know, the black locust built southern Appalachia. They built fence posts out of it, of course. They built their cabins out of it. They used it for weapons. They used the beans many times. You could boil it down. There's a tree that grows in Israel today called the carob. Tree that is very closely related to this. And many say it was what the prodigal son ate that they fed to the hogs when he had come to the end of himself that he wanted to eat of the husks that were fed to the hogs. Guess what? Carabin gum is in everything we eat now. Almost as, as prevalent as fructose corn syrup. If you look at some of the sweet stuff you eat, it's got carabine gum in it. I promise you that if you'll look at some of those. So they have... They have physical benefit for us in some ways, but God is speaking to us. The the Ark of the Covenant was built out of beautiful acacia wood. And in that vessel that symbolizes man, if you will, God added the things that symbolize his presence and his working and his loving and desire to be worshipped by man. That's why the, the gold was overlaid on these tables. That's why uh, so much meticulous care went into building these things because God said to do it this way. It's obedience. So we are his workmanship. He seeks to continue to craft us into a living example of his son Jesus. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit seeks to make us less of who we were and sinful humanity, and to make us more like Christ. I've always talked about the Holy Spirit being like a a sealer, if you will, for a a wooden bow. I know that you guys that work with wood, if you go to the trouble to sand down wood to make a cabinet or a bow or whatever you make out of it, a box, you're not just going to leave that wood, you're going to apply a finish to it. You're going to apply a sealer to that wood to keep out moisture, to keep the the uh, protect the wood from dings and scratches to make that peace even more beautiful. That's kind of how the Holy Spirit works in God and through God is he seeks to apply the Holy Spirit to us to make us more like Jesus to fill in the imperfections to rid us of those weak spots and make them strong. See if I have a weak spot in this wood and there'll be weak spots in it I have to take special care to work around that or to reinforce that or my bow will end up kindling. Same thing with a home. That's what spiritually God seeks to do with us. But I tell you what, like an old tough piece of hickory many times, hard in the heart, we resist it. And we don't do it subtly many times. We do it very independently and very rebelliousness, very, uh, in, in a lot of rebellion. We say, I am saved and I'm good to go. Boy, howdy, we're missing missing it right there. Works don't get you to heaven, but if we're saved and we will grow, God will use us in mighty ways. He will craft us into something that the world would look at now and look back and go, I knew you, I can't believe the change. If we're going to flourish in this world that we live in, this desert of sin, if you will, we're going to have to have a water source. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We're going to have to partake of the water that flows from the throne of which he said, if you take of this water to that woman, you'll never thirst again. Not the water in the well that she would thirst again when it got hot, but he's talking about the living water that is spiritual, the gift of God. An acacia tree ain't going to grow in the desert. We're not going to be successful and flourish in this world as terrible as it is now unless we are rooted in the living water of Jesus Christ. We're not going to be usable to the craftsman in heaven if we stand fast and not let him to prune us a little bit. John 15, 5, he said, You are the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man be in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. And Many times, we wonder why we're unsatisfied. We wonder why we're unfulfilled. We're looking for a little more and a little bit more. We're not allowing him to prune us and to craft us and to allow us to sink our roots or allow him to allow our roots to flourish. He'll water us. And we're bare spiritual fruit. I tell you what, it's a worrisome thing. And I'm not here to judge salvation. It's a worrisome thing when you look at somebody's life and the fruit is rotten everywhere you look. I'm just going to be honest with you. When the fruit is rotten, there's no talk of God. There's no talk of spiritual things. Uh, You know, I went to church one time. I must be good. that's a worrisome thing to me as a pastor. Now, we're going to make mistakes, and they're going to be some bad apples every once in a while, but the crop overall must be sound. Amen? Amen. An apple tree ain't going to make no oranges. Uh, black locust pods, uh, black locust ain't going to produce pomegranates. A pomegranate tree's not going to produce grapes. We are who we are, and our lives are going to reflect where we're at spiritually. Whether we let the craftsman prune us, and shape us one of the things i'll do with this black locust one slight weakness in it is the belly of the bow that's the place that faces me the back will be that one growth ring and that'll that'll have tension as that bow's drawn and i even those limbs out the belly's going to have compression going to be pressure put on it one of the ways that i can overcome weakness and make that bow stronger and more effective is I'll take it and once I get it kind of roughed out and it gets good and dry, I'll lay it over a long bed of coals, it's like I'm cooking a brisket. I'll lay it there and I'll let it go low and slow and that heat will come up and temper that belly and it'll get too hot to touch and I don't want to scorch it, but on a molecular level, I'm compressing and drawing all the tiny little bit of moisture out of those cells that are in that wood. And that heat and that subjection to that fire is going to make it better able to withstand those compressive forces that I'll subject it to. I got a pretty long draw. I draw them pretty long ways. I have to make them longer. Uh, If I try to shoot a 40-inch bow, it ain't going to last long because I've got such a long draw length. Same thing with us. God told Job, I'll refine you like gold in the fire. And my goodness, did Job go through the fire? He lost his family. He lost his possessions. He became a laughing stock. He lost his health. But yet God would not let Satan completely destroy him. He was tempering Job. He was testing Job. He was trying him. And I think that's part of what's going on today. We're beginning to be tested and tried in ways that we didn't think would ever happen. And that's going to continue. That's going to continue to... We're going to be stressed by the world. We're going to be pulled or or try to be pulled in different directions. Satan's going to try to tempt us and sift us and get us to collapse under the weight of worldly things. But if we're rooted in God the Father, if we are in Christ Jesus and put sink our roots into him spiritually and we drink of that water every day, we will conquer, we will be usable. We can stand up straight and say, may God be glorified. And the world's gonna, they may hate us, but the world's gonna know there's something different about us. What makes them tick? What makes them get up on Sunday morning when they could lay in the bed or go somewhere else and go to that little church? What Jesus has done for us. What's available to us. If we're gonna allow ourselves to be crafted and usable in the kingdom, We're going to have to let the heavenly craftsman have his way in our life. Because many times, even in the heartwood, it can get decayed and damaged. It can get invaded by wood borers and other stuff. But see, what I looked for was the heart that is pure. And I found that in those pieces I got laying up in the rafters of my little shed that are drying. You see, they're the usable ones. If we will go to the Lord, even if our hearts have become hard for whatever reason, if we'll just go to the altar and go to the Lord and say, Lord, soften me up. Apply the Spirit to me. Make me more like Jesus. Make me usable. Prune me. Grasp me back into your Word. Use me. The stuff that's sinful, prune it. Throw it into the fire and burn it. Make me straighter. If you prune a tree and you take the right limbs off, over time it's going to grow straighter. It's going to bear more fruit. It's going to be more use and more benefit to the people in the world around it for a lot of different uses. So can we be spiritually. If my life is in shambles, if I live more like the devil during the week than I do the Lord, if I I blow whichever way the wind blows, then I'm not going to be much use. I'm not going to make a difference. We have the ability and the honor and the opportunity today to come to the craftsman. Come to the craftsman and say, Lord, make me. Use me. Make me that polished shaft that's the number one in your quiver. And when the time comes, shoot me toward that heart that is lost, dying, wild and wayward. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome to the New Bridge